In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories. But you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds. But you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is the voyage. Yeah, the maiden voyage of the New England Ghost Shop. And look who just walked in, our uh, psychic investigator, Maureen Wood. Thought I was going to have to end up doing this myself. Yeah, bad traffic. What can I say? Uh, as usual, in 93. Uh, this is, for you who don't know us, uh, we are an investigation group for the paranormal. Um, we've been doing uh, investigative work in New Hampshire, Methuen, and where else? Just about everywhere, huh? Yeah. Okay. But anyways, uh, what we hope to do with this show is to get you involved in... Uh, uh, various uh, ghost activities that we do and also we want to hear about what's going on in your house and what you're doing and uh, that's basically what the show's about we will have guests from time to time we we have uh, uh, the girls from the Philip Knight house and also uh, we have some uh, Brian the Monk who's a uh, ghost investigator for uh, Bob Cahill takes some wicked cool uh, infrared shots and uh, we've got some others lined up. But anyways, uh, welcome here, Maureen. Oh, thanks. I think today's a great day because uh, it's Friday the 13th, and I'm not a very superstitious person. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that was? Uh, that was our first show at WCCM. That was absolutely the first show yeah. we did on WCCM. Because we started Friday the 13th. Yeah, but that was so bad. How painful. That's what you see. Oh, oh my God. It's funny because uh, I was just on WCCM this week, which was kind of cool. I went back home, so that was neat. And uh, the same lady called in. Just called in every time we go on WCCM. Yep, she's our uh, sweet. Ah, she's yeah. a nice. She's a really nice. Are you the Ghostbusters? Are you the guys they call the Ghostbusters? <laughs> you know, jump here from the uh, Wyndham restaurant. Anyway, That's funny. Oh, my God. Same thing. It was so funny because I was talking off here with uh, Lou Blasi and uh, uh, Bruce. Now, Bruce has been doing radio for 55 years. So <laughs> it's like, uh, and I said, you know, she hasn't called in yet. It was like a minute left in the show, and sure enough, she called in. Yep. Anyway, uh, we are back from lovely Salem this past weekend and the weekend before. It's been a very hectic couple weekends, but it's been fun. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, interesting to the fact that we have Halloween off for the first time in, I don't know, eight years? Uh, never count your blessings. Oh, don't even dare. Hey, something comes up, I'll do it. I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm taking the day off. Yeah, I am too. I'm running Hopefully. away. Hopefully, but something comes up, I'll do it. Anyway, 
Yeah. You to so. say hello to everybody since we had a weird entry? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Live on Tojinet, Rex, uh, Ghost Channel, and beyond, and soon, Ghost Village. Anyway, um, we have a great show today. We're going to talk about vampires. Really? Perfect yes. time of the year. Why? If it was perfect time of year, it would be witches. Not vampires. Why wouldn't it be vampires? Because vampires can not do a Halloween. Be around Halloween. Oh, you're Ghosts, pretty... vampires, witches, you yeah, know. Yeah, you're pretty spooky, but that's oh, the point. Anyways, we have a great guest on the show, uh, J.M. Dixon, who has written uh, The Wiser Field Guide to Vampires. And if you remember, last week, we had the dude, Mr. Buckland, I think his name is, or whatever it was, um... Who's like, I found out a guide in the paranormal. Yeah, and he was very cool. He was, was really very cool. He was fun. But anyways, he uh, wrote the Wiser Field Guide to Ghosts. So wow. now, today, let's, without further ado, Mr. Bring on Mr. J.M. Dixon. Mr. Dixon, you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, what, how what, you doing? What are we going to call you? We're going to call you J.M.? We're going to call you Mr. Dixon? Uh, J.M. works fine. J.M.? All right, Jim. Uh, you have written a new book, which is called The Wiser Field Guide to Vampires. And I'm thinking about all the people out there. Why you? Why vampires? Well, to be completely honest with you, I have been absolutely fascinated with this subject, both the reality of it and the fiction of it, since I was very little. Um, I've done a ton of research on it. And basically, I think in the end, I just have a lot of information that a lot of people don't have. The book itself covers everything from mythology to folklore to the modern reality of it. And hopefully there's a lot of stuff in there that a lot of people haven't encountered yet. You know, I, I just got the book a little while ago, and I, I looked through it. I wasn't able to read it all, of course. Uh, but it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. It's it's on this, You've got all of the different definitions, which is always very cool. And... Uh, but it goes into, you know, a ton of different things on it. Um, let me ask you something, Jam. Um, now, with the popularity about the Twilight series, we're talking about, you know, we have HBO's True Blood and other entertainment shows, um, even Anne Rice's books that she had written about vampires. Well, before she became born again. Oh, yeah. let's not bring that up right now. <laughs> we can bring it up after. But do you feel that um, people need to be educated about vampires? Do they have it wrong? Is it right? Is it something different be between mythical and lore? How does that work? Well, I think just like with any subject, there's an element of entertainment to it and an element of reality to it. Um, for the real vampires that are out there, uh, they try to provide a lot of information about the reality of their day-to-day -day lives to the wider media. And for those people that just want to be entertained, there's Bram Stoker, there's Anne Rice, there's the Twilight series, there's tons of stuff out there. The market is so saturated with vampire information and vampire entertainment right now that anybody who's looking for any aspect of it should be able to find it. Right. Now, I mean, there's so much mystique about it. I mean, people carry it to the, the end. I mean, the most famous, of course, is that uh, vampire cult that, uh, that started, what was it, I think it was in Tennessee, and it ended up in Florida where they murdered the, the families and then were heading to uh, uh, New Orleans. 
I mean, that's not fantasy. That's real stuff. It absolutely is. But then again, criticizing vampires for what one psychotic group does is about the same as condemning all hippies because Charles Manson was a psycho. Everybody, <laughs> well, everybody is going to have their own idea about what a vampire is and what it should be. And there's always going to be one or two crazies out there that really take it way too far. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, I know this is a little bit off the subject, but when you think about it, too, this, what's in the news recently was, um, you know, you have the, the sweat lodge incident. And well, what's that got to do with well, vampires? Let me say something. That's what I said. It's a little off subject, but it made you me think, think about something you said, because when I was listening to the news, right, it's like all of a sudden, you know, people have done this for how many years, thousands of years, right? You know, the sweat lodge has never had an incident. You have this one incident. Now, all of a sudden, you know, everything, you know, that's on the news everywhere, and, oh, sweat lodges are horrible, they're bad for you, this is, you know, it's just not right to do. So I'm wondering if, you know, sometimes the vampire piece of it, you know, you have some people, like you said, do crazy things, and it just gives a bad name to it. That's absolutely correct. Um, there are tons of people out there who live their lives as real vampires. They have a need for energy, and they take that energy from other people. Mm-hmm. They live their lives in perfectly healthy, normal, law-abiding ways. So are we talking psychic vampires now or real vampires? Well, I mean, there are the fiction vampires. vampires, I should say. Right, yes. Okay. There are the fiction vampires that are immortal and all-powerful and all that. And then there are real vampires. Real vampires can be either psychic or blood-drinking. Ooh. It just depends on their personal preference. Let me Personal ask you this. Preference. I mean, by drinking, I, I mean, you know, I don't really know a lot about the vampirism or even yeah, the fact that some, well, that's why I'm asking, J.M., the fact about the um, the blood drinking and so forth. I mean, is that something that people would get sick from? Well, it depends on their personal tolerances. Um, I do tend to find in my research that real vampires have a capacity for drinking blood that is much greater than the normal human. Um, the normal human... It's a natural regurgitant for a human. Blood is right. not something their body can tolerate. Right. And that's because of the high iron level. Iron is pretty toxic for most people. Vampires, on the other hand, it's actually the iron in the blood that carries the energy itself so that when they drink the blood, they get the energy from it. Um, as far as I can tell, um, real vampires have the same adaptation that vampire bats have which is that they have a mucus coating on their stomach that prevents them from absorbing too much of the iron into their system. Mm. They pass it through, and they continue on in a normal, healthy life. Now, see, that's interesting. We actually have some questions in the chat room as well, and the questions are, are vampires afraid of AIDS virus or hepatitis and so forth? What? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime that you're interacting with another human, whether it be... um, sexually, or anything that exchanges body fluid, there is always a strong element of safety that has to go along with it. Um, In the movies, they try to portray vampires as being very sexual creatures, Mm -hmm. that, you know, the feeding process is supposed to be some sort of sensual experience. In reality, those vampires that do drink blood are actually very clinical about it. They are very careful about keeping everything safe and clean. They choose their donors very carefully. They insist on having people screened for STD. Interesting. 
Now, you know, I have to ask you, only because I've only had, you know, um, one instance when I actually met this gentleman that came to one of our conferences, and I think, you know, he had actually had a table out, and he had these pictures, and I have to tell you, these pictures were very creepy. Um, and He know, wasn't a vampire. No, but he had pictures of the stuff. He talked about the vampirism, and he talked about uh. that. But it just, I don't know what it was, but with him anyway, you know, being sensitive and picking up energy, I have to say, it just, it really affected me, you know, not even knowing what he was doing, not even the pictures he had, but there's just something like it felt like there was a lot of energy or this darkness that felt like around him, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then I went and looked at some of the pictures, and he may not have been vampire, but it just made me kind of wonder because he did talk about vampirism. He did talk about all that energy and working with it. And is there ever a chance that someone who's working with that can end up with, you know, you talk about drawing energy as well, I mean, taking energy or tapping into something that they probably shouldn't be doing? Uh, well, it all depends on individual personal ethics. Um, there are tons of vampires out there that will only take energy directly from an individual mm-hmm. if, if and only when they have that person's open consent. But at the same time, vampires do need what they need. Right. If I can't get an individual who gives their personal open consent, then it is more useful to them to take from a large crowd whenever possible. Well, um, let me ask you this, J.M., uh, before Maureen insults all vampires any further. I'm not trying to insult uh, anyone. I'm just By curious. any chance, you're not a vampire, are you? Me? Yes. I am, actually. Am See? I insulting you by asking See? this question? I knew that all along. That's okay. I knew that, too. I, had a, I had a real rent. Am I insulting you, J.M., by asking you questions? Absolutely not. Information is important for everyone. Thank you. Now, now J.M., actually, uh, we do know a vampire. Uh, we know Michelle Belanger, uh, who I'm, I, if you've oh, done any, any research, then you must know her as well. I don't know her personally, but I've definitely got a stack of her books. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, we, we met her at the uh, Witches Ball, uh, what, two years ago? Uh, yes, I think it was two, yeah, two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. Very bright person. She explained a lot about... Uh, um, psychic vampires. Like psychic vampirism. And, and, yeah, and yeah. actually when she's actually looking for that energy from someone as well, and they open up, um, and, and she's trying to get some of that, that energy from them. Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting. Someone had a question, another question in the chat, um, in PowerX chat. We have Kat. And when I was stu- she said, when I was studying literature... I always wondered when you're breaking down Victorian vamp characters why they were considered immortal when they were just really hard to kill. Interesting dichotomy. Any thoughts against that? Well, as far as I can tell, the vast majority of the immortality concept comes mostly from Bram Stoker. He mentions in his book that Dracula grew younger when he drank blood. Now, that doesn't specifically mean that he was living forever. In fact, my interpretation of that was that that was just Stoker's artistic way of saying that man was reincarnated. Hmm. Because, I mean, it's very easy for a person to change their appearance and appear younger. I mean, living a healthy lifestyle alone helps a person, you know, stave off aging for a very long time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are people at 100 years old that, that look pretty sprite, I mean. And vampires in particular do have a tendency to do their best to maintain a healthy lifestyle, exercising regularly, eating correctly. The fact that modern vampires tend to look young should be no surprise at all. 
Interesting. Now, there's a, there's another. Um, I cannot think the name of it, but there's a a disease that's uh, associated with actually the sunlight, where a sunlight can actually damage the the skin of a person. That I can't think of the name of. It. Oh, that kills me. Ah. Now, uh, being a vampire yourself, I mean, I assume you go out in the daytime, correct? Of course. Yeah. So is there people in the vampire community that stick to the the superstition of only going out at night and, and sleeping only in a day? Well, um, I mean, for the longest time, I actually did uh, work third shift, you know, yeah. all night and, and yeah. all that. But I feel your pain um, there. <laughs> I've, I've always been... Com- more comfortable at night, but I think that has more to do with the fact that things are much more calm and much more quiet. Because those people who do require, that are required to feed on energy, do tend to be sensitive to energy, which means that the activity of the daytime can be very uncomfortable. Now, on top of that, there are a number of physical sensitivities. Um, most natural predators are, after all, their their eyes are sensitive to sunlight. It can be very painful to go out during the day. Absolutely. Um, people who are sensitive to heat and have difficulty being in sunlight for too long. And also, um, I do tend to find that since vampires are so deeply engrossed in the need for their own energy and the connection with their own energy, the much more destructive high-frequency energies of UV radiation from the sun can actually be very internally destructive to them. It can make them sick to their stomach or nauseous or um, it can give them headaches or any number of other things. Hmm. That's interesting. I had actually never heard of that before, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's more of a discomfort issue more than actually danger. Yeah, I I know there is a disease, though, that the sun will actually uh, harm, the the skin will get, uh, it'll burn very easily. And they have to... Uh, You're not be... talking about albino, right? No, no. There's, there's another term for which, of course, my little pea brain can't remember. Well, there's actually all all, all different kinds of sun sensitivities. Um, yeah. I think in... I think it is in Central America or Latin America. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a fairly common ailment called actinic perigia, which causes blisters to form on the skin. I think that's for, what we're talking ooh. about for even minor exposure to sunlight. Yeah, I think that's what we're talking about because I, I know, I've i seen uh, stories about young right. children that, that have to be wrapped up all the time. They have to be wrapped in clothes, yeah. clothes and layers, and yeah, that's sad. Um, so what what attracts people to the vampire style life? I mean, not all, some of them is, uh, I think, more than a biological thing. I think it's a, a choice. Well, uh, I think... I think for the real vampires, it's not a choice at all. Okay. For the ones who have to do what they do, uh, me personally, you know, I dress normally. I don't wear makeup. I don't, you know, do anything out of the ordinary. And yet, mm-hmm. even in my normal day-to-day life, even though I've never claimed to be, people still refer to me as that vampire. <laughs> um, even people who have very little psychic sensitivity at all can still sense the vampire within, can still sense a predator amongst them. And, of course, there are tons and tons of people. You consider yourself a predator, then? No. People are being predators to him, right? No. 
A vampire is by nature a predator. A predator? Okay. Yes. I mean, now, it's not it's not an abusive thing. It's just something right. that we have to hunt. We have to go out and get what we need. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, we have a uh, a guest that Leslie that was on the chat room again asking. She's she's curious as to what kind of gratification um, does a vampire get from drinking the blood? I mean, is it just it's, energy it's or is it sustenance or survival? Right? I mean, how does that work? It is absolutely just the energy. It is all about the survival. Like I said, um, mass media tries to romanticize the vampire and its feeding process, but the truth of the matter is, for a real vampire, feeding is not sexual. It is completely clinical. It is necessary for their survival. Um, so you, you actually distinguish yourself uh, from the goth community. Me personally, yeah. I mean, I've never been goth. Um, I'd probably be closer to a biker than a punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do, you know, own and ride a motorcycle. So uh-huh. now, I'm, uh, I mean, there is this romance. I mean, that's what is. That's what draws a lot to the goth community is is the romanticism of, of vampirism. Absolutely, that's all about the entertainment value. But People, you're telling me that they are true vampires because they do it by choice rather than by need. Correct. Um, Those people who are real vampires have an inborn need to feed. If they don't, they will get sick and they may die. Um, A person that I maintained contact with years ago um, actually experimented with intentionally controlling his feeding process. Now, every vampire does this in their life at some point because they want to see they want to prove to themselves in a scientific methodology whether or not they actually have to feed or not. Because after all, everybody at one point in their life is always concerned that they're just deluding themselves. Right. This person that I main- maintained contact with years ago, the last thing I heard from him was that he had contracted cancer. Oh, I don't wish that on anyone. Now, well, how big? let me ask you this. How big is the community of... Um, Vampires, I mean, do you know, is there some kind of network you guys are able to communicate to the country to get a better understanding as to the the size? Well, yeah, I'm just kind of curious. Well, there are always respected individuals amongst the community that could be called elders or could be called community leaders. Um, These people, their word will always be respected no matter what. And any time there are gatherings anywhere around the country, around the world, these people do tend to be invited. Um, My general take on the subject is the vampire community is constantly in flux. At any given point in time, there is no specific center to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, In, you know, here at Halloween, there's, of course, going to be gatherings in New Orleans. There's going to be gatherings in New York. There's going to be gatherings in Atlanta, probably a few different places in California. These, at this point in time, would be the centers of the vampire community because that's where they go to meet up with each other, to interact with one another, to see what's going on. Other than that, it's just a matter of communication through email or online or personal interactions or, you know, whoever you know personally. So let me ask you this. How did you first, or when did you first realize that you were a vampire. I mean, growing up, I mean, you, your parents weren't vampires, I assume. They didn't teach you about vampirism. No. 
my parents are not vampires okay. at all. Um, there is, and I know this may sound like bragging or it may sound a little too out there, and I don't want you to think that's the case, but there is a condition called being born awakened. Every vampire has to go through an awakening in their life when they realize who and what they are and what they have to do to survive. But there are a few individuals amongst the community who seem to have been born with the knowledge of what they are and what they need. As far as I know, as far back as I can remember, I've always known how to manipulate energy, how to feed on it, how to take it into myself to survive. Even when you were... Five years old? As far as I can remember, yes. I wow, mean, that's, that's pretty I, amazing. I, I know this might offend a few people, but um, when I was about seven or eight years old, I remember sitting in church with my parents and feeling the energies around me and taking them into myself to feed on to make me stronger. I knew for a fact that if I didn't do this, then I would be sick. Not, you know, immediately, not, you know, I was thrown up all the time, but I did tend to be a bit of a sickly child. I did what I needed to to stay healthy and strong. That's pretty interesting. We are talking with J.M. Dixon, the author of The Wisest Field Guides of Vampires and a Vampire Himself. So, I mean, well, at least where you were in church, you picked up some good uh, energy. (laughs) No pun. No pun. Whatever. You, well, let me ask you that. Speaking about religion, I you belong to any particular religion at all? Uh, no, I don't particularly belong to any religion. Um, and as far as I can tell, the average vampire, those that you know I've encountered and I think are actually vampires, not just people pretending to be, mm-hmm. don't tend to be very religious people at all. Um, me personally, if I'm going to spend my extra time on something, it's going to be on... Educating myself, I mean, I find physics textbooks ridiculously entertaining. <laughs> really? I know that, yeah, I, I know that sounds bizarre, but um, a lot of the information in my book comes from very well-known physics textbooks, how I explain exactly how energy works and operates. Huh. Hmm, interesting. I, you know, I don't think it's strange at all. We actually have another uh, question from the uh, Pararex chat room. It's, and they ask, uh, which you're going to love, by the way, what kind of bike do you ride? Uh, right <laughs> now, I, I ride a, a beat-up old 81 Suzuki GS650L. Oh, no Harley, dude. Huh? Uh, well, I wish it was a Harley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. But well, yeah, you it, just have to write more vampire books, and then uh, maybe you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways, uh, J.M., uh, how did um, Weiser pick you to write this book? That's, that always intrigues me. Well, I had actually, um, I think it's been about two years ago now, I had actually sent in a rough draft of a book that I had in the works um, that I called The Science of the Vampiric Spirit. Okay. Uh, I detailed um, through scientific specifications exactly how a vampire's spirit works, operates, survives, and exactly how it differentiates from humanity. Okay, JM, you're going to have to hold that thought because we have to take a break right now. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles live on Pararex, Sojinet, 
Ghost Channel and beyond. We'll be right back after the following messages. This is a business alert to all Live on Coaching That Pararex Goes Channel and Beyond, and that was weird. I tell you, this is a weird show. First, we start <laughs> off with the old, old opening from what 150 million years ago, and then now the commercials disappear. But, anyways, on our show today is Mr. J.M. Dixon, who has written the book The Wiser Field Guide to Vampires and is a vampire himself. The number here is 877 864. 4869-877-864-4869. Join us live in the TojiNet chat room or the Pararex chat room or whatever little chat room you'll choose. There you go. There you go. So, uh, Jim, you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I mean, telling you, it's a weird day, so what can I, can so I say? So, Jim, I want to ask you, and, you, and Ooh, if it's too go. personal, really? you don't have to say, well, I'm just kind of curious. You can ask him if he's married. No. Well... How do your family feel? Number one, it's actually part two question, right? First one is, I know that being psychic and uh, medium is not easy and growing up that way, you know, it's very, it can be really difficult sometimes, you know, and even with close family members, sometimes they're the worst. Um, okay. You know, I don't know if it's because we make them uncomfortable, that they just don't, you make they me think it's something they're going to catch. I don't know. Um, have you ever encountered that as well? Well, um, for me, it's always been the predatory issue. Um, I, especially when I am very hungry, very in need of energy, I do tend to act and behave in very subtle ways, much more predatory, and that does frighten a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but me personally, I'm really not that psychic. I can feel energy, um, but I can't really sense thought. I don't really pick up on people's emotional quirks. I just feel the raw power. Uh, I think oh, okay. I think maybe I probably was a lot more psychically sensitive when I was younger and just have completely shut that down for, you know, fear of it getting the better of me. Hmm. And as far as the part two part of it, um, you know, you talk about some people that they have tried, you know, or they do drink blood. Have you ever tried drinking blood? Well, that's kind of well, personal. Well, that's what I asked if it's too personal. I'm just curious because I think my listeners are wondering, and I'm kind of wondering, too. You have listeners? What the taste is, because I know when, for oh, me. Oh, I know it's for you. That's what it's all about. I know. I mean, I've had it where, for me, it would probably be a very difficult thing to do, only because, you know, you, you bite a lip or something. You or something. You know, like you're chewing. Uh, this is, sounds really gross, but for yeah, me, I, how many times do people out there, I'm like, you chew gum, you bite the inside of your mouth, and then you taste <laughs> blood, and it's like, blah, I can't get the taste out of my mouth. But I'm just curious for you. Well, um, 
first off, obviously, there is the, that simple difference between humanity and vampires that humans do tend to hate the taste of blood. Vampires seem to be very attracted to it. Maybe it's just the instinctive energy. There mm-hmm. you go. Um, but I don't think it's a very personal question at all because well, there is a little bit of information that I have that I do think is important for the wider community. Okay. And that is simply that when I was younger, up until uh, my early 20s, I actually was nearly exclusively a blood feeder. As soon as I was old enough to find other sources to get a hold of it, I did. I mean, when I was you know, three years old, I got my butt tore up because I bit the blood out of my mother's thigh. Ooh, <laughs> so, ouch. Yeah. That, yeah, that would... Uh... Might get a little attention, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, so the thing about it is, though, is that I was an exclusive blood feeder for a long time, completely ignoring my own need for energy. So when I got into a long-term relationship and I really didn't have a lot of time to go out and socialize much, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that just being around that one person, even though I wasn't drinking their blood, was actually doing a lot of damage to them. Really? Um, I was taking energy constantly from, from her, and, and I didn't even realize it. I was so cut off from my own instincts that I had completely ignored the fact that blood feeder or not, I was still a psychic feeder. Now, how did you figure that out? Well, um... I saw the damage it did to her. Um, She started being weak all the time, sleeping all the time. Uh, Her memory started failing in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, She started finding excuses and and any reason she could to get out of the house and be away from me. Uh, We even started sleeping in separate rooms because apparently I started creeping her out really bad. Oh, boy. So, um, you know, in the end, obviously, that relationship fell apart. And as soon as I got out of that relationship, as soon as I did get back into a more social environment, I ended up unintentionally feeding off of other people psychically um, to a point to where they noticed it very strongly. Um, There was one woman in particular that nearly collapsed as soon as she walked into the room at the wrong time. Wow. Because I had, I was in a very stressful point in my life then, and I've always done very well to keep my personal shields up to prevent Mm -hmm. that kind of overfeeding, but I relaxed for a moment at the wrong time and somebody nearly got hurt. That was one of the questions that I talked about when I was going to ask you if, if you were married. Uh, is there a high percentage of vampires that are not married because of what you talked about, or are there a symbol? Uh, symbol oh, I can't even say similar. It. Maybe you need no, to be no, married to no, a vampire. No, no, no. Symbolic. Uh, symbol. What do you call it? Symbiotic. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Relationship. Um, symbiotic relationships are very important. Um, I do tend to find that. Vampires, real vampires, are very intelligent. And very intelligent people do have a very hard time finding equals. Um, that is even more so because of the fact that, you know, they do have needs, and those needs cannot be focused on a single person all the time. Um, it's very rare for 
two vampires to come together and find a healthy relationship. But when it does happen, it works out very well. I mean, it might be a heated relationship, but, you know. Um, but all in all, it, a relationship with a vampire is all about finding a good balance. Mm-hmm. Um, the vampire cannot think of his, his or her mate as lesser than them. They cannot feed from them exclusively. They have to find a good and healthy balance. Because the truth of the matter is, is if a vampire feeds from one person all the time exclusively, that person will become damaged. That person will get too weak and not be able to carry on a healthy life. So let me ask you this. If that's the case, wouldn't it make sense? I mean, I'm not quite sure how it would work, but if you would have two vampires, you know, the male and female together, that way, you know, even, you know, maybe the balance would be able to be maintained a little bit more easily. Well, because if you say you're feeding off that energy, now you have more energy, the other person can feed back off that energy, right? Well, um, it's it's a matter of consumption. I mean, that's kind of like two people trying to cannibalize each other. Eventually, they both die. Exactly. Okay, I was trying to be on the more positive side. Yeah, I think you would never never (laughs) land. If if two vampires are in a relationship together, then they understand one another's needs, and often they will go out and hunt together. Interesting. Uh, we are talking to J.M. Dixon, uh, the author of The Wisest Field Guide to Vampires and also a vampire himself. I actually have a question. Do you ever find that someone's energy is either sour or, or toxic to you? Yes, absolutely. Um, that is one of the major reasons why people, why vampires do have to screen their donors, whether those donors are, are energy donors or blood donors. Um, if a person is in a bad place in their life, if they are you know, unhealthy mentally or, or physically or for some other reason, have their own spiritual energies more or less poisoned, it can make the vampire very sick. Um, I had an incident one time where I fed off of someone for a night and woke up the next morning vomiting my guts out. Yeah. I was sick for three days because I picked the wrong person. So let me ask you this, because you picked the wrong person. How how do you go about finding a person that you need to, um, you know, to use their energy or blood or however that works? Vampire dating service. Oh, stop it. <laughs> well, you're not too far off. Um, it is actually important that you get to know someone, um, even if it's just, you know, a friend relationship, not anything uh, sexual or romantic. You get to know them. You feel them out. You take a little bit from them subtly. Uh, if they know that you're a vampire, you can propose the question of whether or not um, they might be interested in donating to you. Uh, if they don't know that you're a vampire, well, then you have to go through the entire process of talking to them about it and letting them know that you're interested and that, and that you'd like to take some. point is, just like with anything else, it's not smart to just dive in. Uh, it's important to just take a little bit at first, let that process, let that digest, and then if it works out well, go back for more later. So then are there maybe people on the other side as far as the don- the ones who are doing donations that may be um, kind of vampire groupies? Oh, absolutely. And is there yeah. a danger to that? I mean, you know, you have this person who's, they kind of, I mean, what are they feeling? Did you ever talk to find out what they're feeling and... I'm sure you have, and do they get some kind of, I don't know, 
satisfaction from it? Yeah. Um, well, the feeding process itself can actually be very beneficial to the average human. Um, my wife tends to find that when she is at that time of the month, um, feeding from certain areas can actually reduce very painful symptoms. Um, people who are already actually a little bit sick can be made a little bit more healthy by taking energy from specific locations. The issue with the groupies, however, is that if a vampire is unwise enough to feed from somebody who isn't really mentally stable, is following them, following them around very stalkerish, um, then this person, once they feel you know, the feeding process, is probably going to start getting a little bit diluted and start thinking that they are a vampire. Um, there are a lot of people out there that are actually crazy enough to think that they've been turned into a vampire, just like in the movies. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, having that. said that, um, there's actually, you know, we talked a little bit about those shows like uh, Twilight series or, you know, True Blood. And I, mm-hmm. I really didn't watch a lot of the True Blood, but there was a section of it where there was a few, I don't know if they were, you know, women of the night or prostitutes that had been found dead and they had been donators. They used to donate their blood to vampires and they'd have, you know, bites like on the inside of their thighs. Yeah. That's not reality, is it? No, it's not reality at all. Um, okay. There are people that are active donors that they don't just have one specific vampire they donate to, but in fact may donate to a group or um, to two or three who are close friends. Um, it would be very wrong to call these people groupies because a good donor is very well educated about what they're doing and how to do it healthy. Mm-hmm. healthy. Um, but, you know, as far as is a vampire actually taking advantage of a donor or taking too much that they might get injured or something, that would be a very disrespectful thing. And the vampire community at large is always very respectful for their very respectful to their donors. It's important that we maintain a good, healthy working relationship with people who are willing to give of their blood or energy or whatever else. Because these people are very important. These people are very valuable to the vampire community. They are very well respected. They are not treated poorly in any way. Now, there's actually, uh, I wanted to ask you a a question. We also have another uh, question from the uh, Pararex chat room as well. But um, there are people who I don't consider them uh, true vampires, but they use vampire techniques on other people without even knowing it. And that is basically... Well, mostly it's women when I think about it. Oh, stop. They're very, they're very demanding where they draw the energy from you. I mean, there are people out there that, that do that, right, that they, they draw energy from you. Yeah. Um, there is, besides vampires themselves, and, you know, a younger vampire, a younger spirit, or even a younger, you know, physically, their physical body is younger. Um, it takes them a while to learn respect for their donors sometimes. So they can misbehave just like any child. Um, but as for those people who are completely human and are using uh, vampiric energy manipulation techniques, mm-hmm. these would be people that are referred to in my book as energy addicts. They okay. 
they take energy from another person. And for a human, this has to be physical contact. Vampires are the only people I've ever met that can take it from a distance. I, I, I tend to disagree with you on this. Okay. And the reason, because I know people that, that you go, uh, you may have to uh, some interaction with them and all, but not necessarily physical. But by the time you're done with them, you are totally drained. And No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, they do draw your energy. Or maybe it's an emotional energy that's drawn from you. But there are people that actually, I mean, I'm sure our listeners out there know some. In fact, if they want to call in, by the way, the number is 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869. So, I mean, I'm thinking of my mother to come to think of right now. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, that, that sounds a lot more like um, go ahead. emotionally draining people rather than taking direct energy. So, I mean, isn't emotions energy in itself? So isn't that a type of vampirism? Maybe it's it's not what you consider a true psychic vampire, but I still think it's a type of vampirism where they, they do utilize your energy and they do draw energy from you and drain energy action from you. That's what I was trying to get around to with the energy addict. Um, okay. Just, just like any other addict, yep. they take energy into themselves. Mm-hmm. They feel a strength and a high for a while, but then their spirit, the human spirit, is not capable of, of holding that energy the way a vampire spirit is. So when they ground out, they end up feeling even worse than they did before. Okay. That's why these people, you know, keep coming back to the same individual over and over again, trying to take more energy. Okay, I know we're running out of time, and uh, I have one question from the, the Parex chat room. And uh, here's the question. Have you ever encountered scary situations where people have reacted badly to you after you explained that you are a vampire? No, no, I haven't. Me personally, I find that most people react with absolute fascination. I think in our modern world, we can look around and we can tell that people, you know, whether they're vampires or bikers or punks or goths or anything else, for the most part, people are relatively harmless. Um, Me personally, I'm a very law-abiding citizen. Um, I have no intention of doing any harm to anybody. People can be a little creeped out, but I've never had anybody respond with aggression or disgust or anything that would make me concerned that they might attack me in any way. Um, Let me ask you this, J.M. Is there any type of, you said that you're really not um, any kind of sect of religion and neither are the majority of, you know, true vampires. Is there any type of ritual that you would perform during this, you know, the energy or, or taking energy or blood, whatever have you? I mean, is there rituals that you perform? The same ritual you perform when you're eating. Um, I, I okay. try to maintain a calm environment. I okay. take the energy into myself. I more or less swallow it um, after I bring it in. It's kind of like drinking from a straw. Uh-huh. You pull it in through a kind of suction, a, a vacuum that you create inside of you. Um, You fill up your mouth, and then you swallow. And afterward, I usually try to relax, take a few minutes to, you know, clear my mind and all that, just to let things digest and get to where they're supposed to go. Now, you said when you were younger that you were a sickly child and that you knew you had to draw energy to be able to get your strength. Um, When did you, you know... 
first start really doing that, and how long did it take you to understand what you were doing? Well, just like any kid, um, I was doing it from time to time, never really fully understanding it. I mean, you know, a, a developing brain can't really understand higher physics. Um, but the older I got, the more I kind of put the pieces together, the more I started understanding the puzzle as a whole. Um, I guess it's a little bit like, you know, any kid has their favorite food. They know that they have to eat. They prefer, you know, one food over another. But in the end, they're not going to starve themselves to death because when they get hungry, they eat, period. It is an inborn instinct that, that I had that always kept me alive and relatively healthy. In the end, it's, you know, even today, even as, even as an adult today, I still find that I don't have all the pieces. Okay, yeah. And, I, you know, I think that that's true for anything, you know, that you're always learning, you're always finding, um, you know, more information to help you in different ways. Absolutely. Um, there is a question in here that uh, somebody actually, I think we went over it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we did. They must have been coming they must a little have late. Been yeah. late. But, yeah, that they were wondering about being out in the daylight. Photosensitive, yeah. Photosensitive, yeah. And, and we kind of addressed that. that not, that's not true, right? Correct. Other than that you... Personal choice or... It is, it is absolutely not true to the extent that it is in the movie. But there are certain weaknesses there. Um, my research has found that... Um, the energies of the spirit, which exist in the extremely low frequency range, are very, very sensitive to the much higher frequencies of the destructive UV rays. So vampires tend to have their energy more exposed than the average human, and so we have a stronger reaction to overexposure of UV. But it's, it's not like bursting into flames or anything, no. That's a good thing. So anyways, we have to wrap things up now. Uh, J.M., we want to thank you so much for being on the show. This has been J.M. Dixon. Do you have a website or anything you would like to give out? Um, no, I mean, you can look me up on MySpace. I just have a, a page under J.M. Dixon. I'm working on getting an actual web page together, but that'll now take a little bit Now you get the book out, you should. <laughs> <laughs> I know I should, but I have uh, other responsibilities at the time. Well, now, well, can't you, like, tweet it while you're riding your bike? <laughs> Anyways, we have been talking to J.M. Dixon, who has written the uh, Why the Field Guide to Vampires. It's, it's kind of a cool book. I, I like it. It's the second one in the series. The first one we had uh, last week, the uh, Field Guides to Ghost or whatever it was. And we want to thank you so much for being on the show, J.M. Thank you so much. And you I'm know what? It, it was really enjoyable because you answered a lot of questions that uh, Maureen was thinking about. That I was being personal. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> so have, have a good night. You too. Good night. Thank you. Yep, bye now. Bye-bye. Wow, that was pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it really was, and I appreciate him being very patient. Very um, candid. And candid, yeah. I, I like this candidity. Yeah, is that even a word, Ron? It could be. All right. Could be, or are you going to add it to the dictionary? I may. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyways, we actually uh, have a couple of things to bring up. Then. Uh, first of all was that... Um, Last week was our 100th podcast for Ghost Village and also the 10th anniversary of Ghost Village. Mm-hmm. It was a two-hour special, which is um, up on iTunes now, I believe. So Very if cool. You wanna, if you missed it, you can go listen to it. Uh, if you want to listen two hours of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we had two book winners last week. Uh, actually, three. Jeff took care of one, uh, who, Leslie, who was actually with us. 
at the Concord Colonial Inn, who won uh, Jeff's book. And uh, Ray from Canada won our book. And also uh, a gentleman from Texas also won a copy of our book. And those both will be going out tomorrow now that Maureen's back in the... Oh, sure. Blame me, right? That Maureen's back? Oh, signing. All right, sorry. I'm a little crazy. <laughs> it's been a long day. My apologies. What is a colosaurus? A what? Colosaurus. I have no idea. I don't know. It's in the Pararex chat room. Oh, that's my name. <laughs> okay, anyway. All right, I'm crazy. So are you. So we have uh, two two book signings come up we, we definitely want to talk about. One is uh, tomorrow night at the Barnes & Noble in Lowell. Yeah. Downtown Lowell. Downtown Lowell. That ought to be fun. The old Cherry and Webb building, which is kind of cool. And on uh, Friday, I will be at the uh, Circles of Wisdom in Andover uh, from 7 to 9. So you can drop in and see me there. And I believe in a couple of weeks we have a ghost hunt at the uh, Mance in, uh, where is that place? Uh, Concord, which will be interesting, too. So. Uh, the book is doing well. I'm excited about it. We've we've been a nonstop radio tour. Yeah, it's been it's been very interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to tell you, I've been on only a few of them so far. You've done the majority, you know, because I'm difficult to get out of work. But I will say that uh, all the the hosts have been really great. Um, just talking to them, and they they seem to be very interested in what we do. So I thought that was. That's been nice. Uh, the few of them really love the book, and they they're asking for a sequel, so <laughs> that's kind of a cool thing. But anyways, the uh, uh, we are on Fox Morning Show on Friday, so if you're not doing anything Friday morning, drop in and say hello. Hello. And by the way, yes, Lee asked me to remind you that her name is Lee, not Lay. What's that? <laughs> it's Lee, not Lay. You keep calling her the wrong name. No, it's Lay. No, it's not. L E I G H is Lay. Lay. Lee is L E E. Is it my fault she can't spell her name? Um, okie dokie. You just can't say it, but that's all right. Right. Anyways, um, we also had a question about spectral evidence, and we do want to mention that it was quite interesting. Uh, we did a lot of. Uh, we did three events over the last two weeks. Uh, two of the spectral evidence ghost hunt. And one, um, Voices of the Dead, which was kind of cool. That was fine, Voices of the Dead. Was it the Voices of we... the Dead or Communicating of the Dead? Voices of the Dead or Communicating of the Dead. No, <laughs> Voices of the Dead, actually. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good, uh, other than you slapping the uh, planchette into the guy's uh, world. <laughs> uh, other yeah, than that, that it was, was... fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that you were telling people later that... that I can't say it on air, What's but... Oh, yeah, yeah, if you were, who was there this afternoon? And one person raised their hand, and yeah, you know, Maureen with her trans channel is not always so easy because, you know, that poor man, when she knocked the planchette into his nuts. <laughs> Do you remember saying that to everybody? No, I would never say that. Oh, but, yes, you did. It was very embarrassing, but it was okay. It, it was interesting, too. And then uh, yesterday on Ghost Chronicles International, uh, my co-host for the day was Marla Brooks. And we, we got to talking a little bit about uh, Ouija boards. In fact, you know what? I, I was on uh, Laura's show, uh, which is on Mondays at 11 o'clock, and Laura Worcester, and they were talking about Ouija boards. A lot of talks about Ouija boards, how evil they were. But then I told them, how can a pink Bobby Ouija board be evil? 
Oh, my God. You should have seen Ron walking around with the it, the Ouija board had this little pink bag to it. It even had, like, little cards to, to, to ask questions of the Ouija board. You know? Am I going to be a rock star? Am I going to be a rock star? Am I going to... Um, power jump. Yeah, am I going to jump from... Will I marry power Ron? Yo, oh, gag. <laughs> yeah, right. That's every young girl's dream, you know that. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, we have two book signs come up tomorrow. We'll be in Lowell at the uh, Barnes & Noble <laughs> on, on downtown Lowell at 7 o'clock. And on 7 o'clock on Friday, I will be at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover. So if you're not doing anything, come on down, say hello, and hang with us. Now, um, I do want to mention something that I'm working on for next year as well. And also, we have a ghost hunt at the Circles of Wisdom come up on 1114 at the uh, Manson Concord. But uh, I'm thinking about doing a ghost hunt, I mean, a ghost discussion group at uh, Circles of Wisdom. We're going to meet once a month. And uh, basically, we'll, we'll talk about different things in ghost hunting, and everybody can share their experiences, and if they have questions and stuff. I think, I think it's going to be kind of a, a neat thing. What are you typing over there? I'm talking to everybody in the chat room. What are you typing? <laughs> I'm making fun of you. No, it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. No, I know. But <laughs> anyways, see, we have no clue exactly when this show is going to end because it's to- totally messed up. Totally messed up. <laughs> but no, actually, they're talking about the uh, the Ouija board and how uh, I think Amanda wants to get one because it's pink and it's a Bobby board. So red wants one? one? Huh? Red wants one? No. Yes, red wants one. But I want one. I want one. Amanda does. Yeah, red. That's red. red. She's red. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of comical. Yeah. I haven't seen Red for a while. She in the chat room? Yes, she is. Hey, Red, how are you? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but the the, uh, the Ouija board, I mean, it's it, we we went through the whole thing, but uh, everything you do is inherent. But the, the pink one is just so adorable. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, you just it comes with a little carrying case as well. Oh, so tacky. Cute. If you thought the glow-in-the-dark one was tacky. I, I don't know how you say tacky. It's tacky, especially when you bring it in and you're walking around the front of spectral evidence. It was goofy. So Ron is like, how can this be evil? And he's walking back and forth with the pocketbook over his shoulder. Oh, look it, look it. It's pink. It's so cute. But it was funny. It was a little tacky. What funny. <laughs> so I don't know if we, we're ready to say goodbye now. Or not, I don't know. I think, um, I think our... <laughs> Anything you want to add before we... Move on to the next level. To the next level. Yep. Oh, if you guys aren't doing oh, anything yeah. in another hour, you can join us live at the Dr. Pat Show. Oh, yes. That's going to be fun. Or if you're really not doing anything at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning, you can uh, join me, especially you listeners in Denver. I will be on KOA, hey, 350 stations and 6,000 million watts of whatever. So there you go. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm glad you're going to get up for that because you're braver than I. Yeah, well, you know, someone has to do it, if you know what I mean. That's right. Well, I'll be on my way to work at like 7. So I started to work with pillows because Maureen said they were great to work with. So what? That's good. Is that Cat? Yeah. They are great to work with, Cat. So, uh, yeah, so is a puppy. That's right. Depends on if you want to carry a puppy around in your pocket all the time. No, you want to clean up after it. <laughs> clean up after it, yeah. So I wish you know if we had any time left. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's 7.59. I would say we have a minute. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, it says 10 seconds. So where is, oh, our uh, Leslie wants to know where's Dr. Pat. Dr. Pat is uh, somewhere. I don't know. You'll have to Google Dr. Pat online. Yeah, do Dr. Pat, because... Uh, uh, I yeah, don't think whatever. I have the info. It's actually a syndicated show, so whatever. Should be good. Not Dr. Pepper, Leslie. Oh, wait a minute. I have it right here. We got like 10 seconds. You might be able to get it in time. I don't know. The clock is running. Ding, 10, ding, 9, ding, 8, 8, 7, 6. Come on, move it. 5, 4, 3. I don't have oh, it. so slow. We don't have it. All right. Well, check us out on Dr. Pat. Wherever that is. <laughs> <laughs> email me. I'll, I'll tell you. If you email at anyghostproject.com. We are running out of time, I guess, uh, and it's ending by itself. The stack is possessed. Uh, wow. I think the show is done. I think so. So, good night. God, God bless. bless. From ghoulies to ghosties. Critical Only thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with J. 